Antisocial, where we try to take the glass half empty perspective of most social media posts and turn them into glass half full commentary. From the Kibis Kane Independent, I'm Tony Winton. And from the M Network, I'm Tom Mosloom. Tony, I don't know that the glass is half full or half empty. I, I kind of think the glass is just broken. Broken glass, huh? Well, I guess that sounds like something you do when there's a fire, right? Really? You're going to use this as a segue? Break, break, break the glass? <laughs> really? Uh, well, yes. it's appropriate. It's appropriate <laughs> because our very first guest will be talking about a fire. A fire on, on Key Biscayne didn't hurt anyone, but it's filling up all of the social media feeds, uh, and it's drawing a lot of attention from the public and from elected and appointed officials. And our first guest will be talking about this fire, and his name is... Eric Lang, the chief of the Key Biscayne Fire Department, about a fire at the Key Biscayne Beach Club. So joining us now live is Chief Eric Lang. Welcome, Chief, again to Antisocial. Tom, Tony, hello. Hello. I understand we have a mobile report going. You are, uh, you are en route? That's right. I'm in the mobile office this weekend. <laughs> so it's not that glamorous, as you know. That's awesome. So, uh, yes, everyone's talking about uh, the fire that occurred at the Beach Club on the 20th uh, in the early morning. Uh, just after 2 o'clock, we got dispatched. And uh, it was uh, uh, when we got there, there wasn't a lot of the four cheeky or tiki huts that were burning. Cheeky huts, if I uh, would call them correctly. And, uh, and it's, uh, everybody's talking about it. I've had a lot of questions about it. Uh, we responded. We put out the smoldering fire. Uh, there was a, there was damage pretty much only to the cheeky huts, and uh, probably valued at about ten thousand uh, dollars. There was nobody hurt, fortunately. But I have to tell you, this is a, a pretty serious. It's a very serious thing. Uh, we don't take it lightly, and I can tell you that uh, your entire government. Uh, Definitely in public safety for both the police and fire department. Uh, we are not taking this lightly. We're very uh, upset about it. Uh, definitely, when I went out there, it was very visceral of a of a response. Um, and uh, we are are, are are still working on the investigation. Yeah, let and, me um, if I can follow up. Yeah, just a bit. So this happened around two in the morning. It involved uh, a several of these cheeky huts, which are basically these things that you're thatched roofs that are used outside uh, in the sand area of the beach club before you actually get to the beach. Uh, when I visited it earlier this week, it was just all that was left was just uh, charred pieces, pieces of charred pieces of wood. I'm sorry. So uh, uh, but um, if you can you tell us anything more about I know uh, that there, that the Key Biscayne Police Department is working. I talked with Chief Press, who is now the uh, acting village manager, and there is video that's being reviewed. Can you share anything more about the investigation into this? So, obviously, it was suspicious. I, I think as uh, the, the day rolled on and as, uh, as hours rolled on, we've had uh, additional footage, uh, additional tips that have come in. 
Uh, I think uh, many people on the island have seen a video that's been circulating on WhatsApp uh, with the four uh, cheeky huts burning at the same time. And uh, that, uh, you know, is obviously disturbing. Uh, we've had a number of the, uh, the, the beachside uh, condos share footage with us, and we're working with, with uh, the detectives over in the police department uh, to really try to put our finger on uh, who did this. So as you looked at the footage, are there any clues in there? Did anybody see anybody leaving the, the, the property? And do you think that it's you know part of a broader uh, series of pranks and vandalism that's going on on the island? So I can't go into details. Uh, this is, it's also a criminal investigation which the police department's handling. Uh, but what I can tell you is that we do have a few suspects that, that we are looking at with, with the police department. And, and again, you know, we take it, it very seriously. And, and uh, we're, we're doing everything we can to not, not just follow up, but also prevent uh, you know, from this from happening again. Um, there's, there's, there's a couple things that I can tell you that uh, in this case, nobody was hurt. But when a fire is set, it, it, it creates a response. And so uh, there's responders that turn their lights and sirens on and they're responding. And, and in this case, it was all outside. Nobody got hurt. But if somebody was hurt or killed, uh, that individual or individuals that lit the fire would be responsible for that injury or that death. And so it's, it's not a, uh, it's more than just a prank. Uh, there's there's significant consequences that come along with this. Yeah, there's and, uh, there's nothing funny about it. There's nothing funny about it. Right. And had there no. been wind, uh, you know, the, the, those were going pretty good. If you've seen the video, and I'm sure all of the listeners in Key Biscayne were seeing, you know, in a pretty intense burn there. I'm talking to a fireman. I mean, and the danger of potentially going to a different structure uh, is always is always present. Yeah, there's no question about it. You know, the, that video is is telling, and and even if you just looked at the charred wood, you can see how long those uh, those cheeky huts were burning for, and uh, and and the fact that you know it wasn't just one cheeky hut. There was multiple cheeky huts were burning. You know, that was that, that's arson. That's somebody is intentionally lighting a fire. We don't know what the motive is, but um, and again, we you know we don't take it lightly. I, I will tell you this that. And that we did get reports of the fire burning as early as uh, as just before two a.m. and uh, there there were a number of people on the beach that were that were speaking with and and that and it, this is really you know this is a village right and you've probably heard me say this before Tony where we got to make sure that we act like a village and that means if there's a problem there's something suspicious going on something's not right we need to speak up. And we need to report it. If you don't think it's a 911 emergency, it would be appropriate to call the police department at their non-emergency number, which is 305-365-5555. Pretty easy to remember. So is there anything else that we can help you with is, uh, or our listeners? You know, I think that's a great question. If, if anybody has any information uh, that, of people that they may have seen on the beach— uh, that night or knows any any information of what they've been hearing or if they find something uh, even on someone's phone to contact us 
They can contact myself. They can contact Chief Press. Uh, and, uh, you know, that, any leads we are, we are pursuing. And is that at the 305-365-555 number? That's a, that's, a great, that's a great place to start. Or you can look us up on the Internet. Uh, or just come knock on our door. <laughs> Chief, if you'll um, forgive me, the, I, know, I know we don't, you mentioned that there are suspects, and I know that, that, that because it's a law enforcement matter now, and I did have a chance to speak with Chief Press about it, uh, and, and he used the same words you do. It's being investigated as an arson, which we should remind our, our listeners is a felony. Um, we're not talking about, again, something that is a misdemeanor. This is a, uh, a felony, uh, potentially. Um, my question is really, since you can't talk about the suspects while that's going on, you have been involved, and I'm, I, I don't want to necessarily say I'm connecting dots, but you have been involved, uh, uh, the department's been involved in outreach to youth in Key Biscayne. The background of this is whether or not it involves young people or not, and we don't know, know that. But, but we do know there's been a, a number of incidents that have been a pattern, if you will, of, that have been vandalism. Everything from you know, soap in fountains. Uh, there was one incident where someone put soap in a fish pond and threatened the, threatened the animal life uh, in a condominium complex. Um, there's been other kinds of incidents there. I know you've been working on that. What is a community, when you mentioned about community response, what is a community do you think we need and, and, and everyone, not just the, the, from government, but from parents, from everyone involved in the community, what is needed on the island? You know, I, I just big picture. I think we all have to make better decisions. Uh, it's it's about creating that 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 family environment that, that it's easy to talk about, and I work at it every single day. Um, when we address through our Teen Talk program, and I know the police department has their Dare program, uh, the recreation center has their outreach, uh, the churches and schools also have uh, some different programs. It's about how do we make better decisions with the risks that are facing us. And maybe it's uh, a youth that was part of this group that that didn't actually start the fire, but they were in association with that. Uh, and maybe you know they that's all part of making better decisions. It's it, it's easy to talk about, but hard to execute. All right. Well, we'll be following up on this, and um, again, our listeners uh, know who to call uh, if they have any kind of leads or information, and. Uh, uh, we we wish you success in in resolving this. And with your permission, Chief, we're gonna uh, we're gonna post all that information to our social media as well, and see if we can't get as much information to you as possible. Great. If I could throw just one more thing out there is we do a lot of work in prevention. Our fire marshal Marco Cesario, who's the deputy chief of administration, he's working every day with his staff to prevent fires. Uh, our crews are available twenty four seven. Our they're firefighter paramedics. And we're ready to respond to anything. And the key, and I, I have to keep stressing this, is call 911 if it's an emergency, if it's a non-emergency, that the, the 365-555 number. And the most important thing you can do is give an address that you're located near or a landmark. And so uh, with that, stay safe. Thank you for inviting us to the show. And uh, we're going to get to the bottom of this. Thanks, Chief. And we will be right back in just a moment. Down the trail to the north point. 
And we're back live on WSQF 94.5 LP. This is Antisocial, and I'm Tony Winton. And I'm Tom Mosloom. Uh, Tony, we should probably talk about the inauguration uh, and the brand spanking new shiny Biden administration. Um, you know, all the talk's been about unity and, and how Joe Biden can unify the country. Uh, you watched the inauguration. You watched his uh, inaugural address. What do you think? I think that there is a chance there's a window that's opened i don't know how long the window will be open there's some indications that it's starting to close already yeah i mean we were joking around at the top of the show and you know i sort of threw the the broken glass gag out there but that's not really a joke that we might have a broken glass right now there might we as a as a as a country we're so divided i don't i don't see the sides i don't see any adults in the room right i think that Certainly the tone, and I hope there's unanimity on this, that the tone of the inauguration, for the most part, was well-received. Let's listen to what the new president, Joe Biden, said. Destroying everything in its path. Every disagreement doesn't have to be a cause for total war. And we must reject the culture in which facts themselves are manipulated and even manufactured. Well, yeah, who could argue with that, right? But like so many things, yes, but is anybody actually going to do that? Because it seems to me like that is politics at its finest. And, you know, I tell a little white lie and then you're my opponent, so you you tell a little gray lie and then I capitalize on that and tell a dark charcoal lie. And the next thing you know, we have the Trump administration. Well, and the, <laughs> you know, and, and the, and the issue is where is the self-restraint, right? Because, there isn't. Well, that's, I think, what the call is. The call is that at some point in a debate, you know, you, you, you get out there. No one's saying don't have a position. No one's saying don't advocate for your point of view well. But I think there's also an understanding that at some point, if you just keep debating and it becomes a vicious cycle, you don't get anywhere. And as the president noted in his inaugural address, we are at a incredibly difficult point and his administration will be at an incredibly difficult point. We have a raging pandemic that most Americans, according to polling, believe is out of control with 400,000 people dead. I mean, when was the last when was the last inaugural address where the president stopped for a moment of silence? In the middle of the yeah, not address. not not in my lifetime, right? Because because of what's going on, so we have that overwhelming national emergency that is worsening with new strains of the virus that are more transmissible and in some cases more deadly than the one that is the first one that came out. And uh, issues with vaccine distribution. Our guest last week talked about the problems that are happening with. A vaccine distribution. Hopefully, that they'll be rectified. But these are amazing challenges just in the very first days. Yeah, and and it, it's made more complicated by um, <clears throat> the diversity of you know I hate to use the term the diversity of facts because that sort of wars against itself. It's sort of an oxymoron. But that's what it feels like is that there's a diversity of facts. One group of people says that this works. One group of people says that doesn't work. This works. One group of people says we need to do this. The other group of people says we need to do that. And there's no middle way. Uh, and that's where the country's been torn apart. You and I have talked about this seems like a clarion call for a third party. And, and you know, the, the, the last president is already talking about that. And that's really interesting because let's look, 
bring it, bring it back local. Um, we have uh, an inauguration. Uh, before the inauguration, the new Congress was sworn in. And already we're seeing some really interesting developments with the delegation from South Florida to Congress. And we're talking specifically about the new member of Congress for this district, Maria Alvarez Salazar, District 27, and also um, the uh, D- District 26, uh, which is represented by the former Miami-Dade County Mayor, Carlos Jimenez. Both yep. of them upset incumbent Democrats yep. and running as Republicans aligned with President Trump. So what's happened since then is really interesting. Uh, Miss Salazar uh, was not able to be there for the swear initial swearing in. She didn't vote on the election certification question because she was recovering from coronavirus and had complications, as according to her press release, of a cardiac nature. And in fact, her cardiologist advised her not even attending the inauguration because she'd be outside in the cold for so long. So she hasn't been present for all of these votes, but she did vote against uh, the impeachment. Which sure, is, yeah, Mr. Jimenez, on the other hand. Uh, voted against the impeachment. He voted to not certify correct the uh, the the president. However, very interestingly, in a leadership challenge for the Republican side of the House, because it's very organized by party in the House, he voted and sided with Liz Cheney, who right. is who has supported the impeachment. Correct, but that's a party division. Mm-hmm. That's a division within the GOP itself. That's not you know. A party line choice. And, uh, you know, I think it's all going to have to shake. We know that the Republican Party has been shaken. We know that the Trump years have really divided uh, the party from Trump supporters to establishment Republicans have. They're almost two separate groups of people. In the same way, we see the, uh, you know, the squad and the far left break off from what would be establishment Democrats as well. Do you see that rift dividing in both parties? So we're not talking about a third party. Or are we talking about a fourth party? Possibly. It's 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 really hard to know. I mean, the the you mentioned the, the President Trump, former President Trump, um, saying that he is talking about that. Um, the uh, Senate apparently is going to move to an actual impeachment sometime in February. That's now been agreed to. Um, and that would be... Have we even come to some sort of conclusion? I mean, is that like constitutional? How do you... I mean, it seems to me this is this is a political play simply to disqualify him for running for office in 2024. This isn't actually serious. This is politics. Um, I, I, I'll be interested to see how that unfolds. Well, I mean, my understanding is it's going to be a trial. There will be witnesses. It will be conducted. It's a little clear, not clear whether it would be the same way as the last impeachment trial. Well, he's not in office, so the Constitution isn't clear who, pre- who presides. Correct. Or... It's not even clear if there's jurisdiction. He's out of office. Well, there's precedent for non-presidents. Uh, there are other other federal officers can and have been impeached. Uh, judges, other other officers have been repeated. No, the, a lot the, of impeachments. The and, one that I read about was like the defense or you know secretary of war or whatever that was way back when. And right. The trial went on and he was acquitted. Be- and several people voted to acquit because they did not feel that. The, that the Senate had jurisdiction. Exactly. It's 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 a uh, it's a you know. Let's put it this way: there's precedent for going forward with a post office impeachment. What the result is, there's no there's very little precedent on that. Well, what we do know is that an impeachment is always a dumpster fire. Yeah. 
So you can't stand. <laughs> what, what would you would you prefer? A, would you prefer a broken glass? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that sound effect. But, but no. you know, well, I mean, hang on a second. Hang on a second. <laughs> there you go. Yes, it does. Uh, Evidently, it does. Uh, if you, I mean, you can't stand there and say that, and then start a raging fire. What will an impeachment do to unify the country? I would, I would say nothing. Um, I would say that that's. Um, a larger question about what's left of, as I said, you mentioned it earlier, the split in the Republican Party. I mean, the Senate majority, former majority leader, now the minority leader, Mitch McConnell, has made it very clear that he is holding the president responsible for the assault on the Capitol. I mean, this, when, is this well, when did this happen before? I mean, listen, I said 1812? this. 1812? I said this a long time ago on one of the 24-7 news channels, and I said that the establishment Republicans hate Donald Trump more than the Democrats do. And and Mitch McConnell is the embodiment of that. I, I don't see the establishment Republicans surviving in the Republican Party much longer. They're going to have to. He it can't and, stay. It can't stay. Stay status quo. Yeah, I he, agree with you on he that. He and Romney and the moderates in the middle. There, you know, there are too many. There are too many people in there who don't fall in line with what the conservative ideals are today. And I think that either. Either the far right goes or the center of that party goes, but I can't see that party staying status quo for long. And the same with the Democrats. The far left of the Democratic Party, the progressives, they're way out of step with the Nancy Pelosi's of, of, of that particular party. And the issue is, will they, would there be an organized movement to coalesce and actually run in separate, separate parties? I, I can tell you in some states that already exists. Um, you know, my background uh, for, for listeners, I, I grew up in uh, the New York area and in New York, uh, these secondary parties or third parties, if you want to call them, they're actually really important. There's a liberal party. There's a conservative party. There's uh -huh. a right to life party. And and the there's actually a substantial number of votes that are cast on these lines. And, uh, and the, <clears throat> biggest, the biggest chunk of voters in the national election is what? NPAs, non-party affiliates. So right. there's an appetite of yeah. folks who aren't really into the Republicans or into the Democrats. It'll be interesting. But, the, you know, politics isn't the only place that things are divided. Oh, sure. The church has been torn apart, and I want to tease to next week's show because I think it's going to be uh, an interesting one. Right. We're Next week's show, we're going to have a discussion about, I guess it's the one point of view uh, on the intersection between how faith and politics are, are interrelated. Um, our guests are going to be uh, Felipe Assis, who is my pastor at uh, Key Biscayne Crossbridge Church, and um, Kristen Cobbs-Dumez, who is a professor at Calvin University and has written a best-selling book uh, entitled Jesus and John Wayne, How White Evangelicals Corrupted a Faith and Fractured a Nation. That's her book, uh, and it's trending on uh, Amazon. So we'll have her as a guest next week. I just ordered the book because I'm going to hold comment. I mean, okay. You and I had an earlier conversation. Right. About, I don't want to have a about, show. Let's do that on next I, show. Yeah, about just okay. what I thought about the title alone. But okay. uh, we'll get into it next week with our guests. And uh, and hopefully hopefully all fires will be out. Remember, if you have any information about the fire on Key Biscayne, call 305-365-5555 and give them all the information you have. Please help out in, in solving that. And the dumpster fire in Washington, D.C., I don't think there's any hope for. Well, let's let's. OK. We have invited we have invited Congresswoman Salazar to come on the program. Yep, and she her office has said she would be delighted to come on. So we will ask her as the new representative for District Twenty Seven 
How is she doing that? She's introduced some new legislation as a first a rookie member of Congress involving um, uh, the administration's foreign policy, and I'm sure she's going to want to talk about that. But, you know, she's coming into office. She's she's uh, in the minority party in the House, and it's going to be interesting to say, look, if I'm trying to serve my constituents who care about sea level rise and beach erosion, uh, infrastructure, and a lot of, you know, nuts and bolts local issues that don't have to do with these kind of for lack of a better term, wedge issues that we've been discussing. These are also things that, that, that as a member of Congress, she will you know, need to work the system and deliver for the people in her district. So we're looking forward to having, and I'm sure she, she'll be happy to come on. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I know. It's going to be interesting to see how they all act because remember, the Republicans came in in Florida in a red wave. There's no way to describe. I mean, they had a resounding victory except at the top of the ticket. In Florida, everything went red. And most of those politicians went in really further to the right than folks that we've seen, although neither neither Salazar nor Jimenez have been big Trump supporters vocal about it, but they're further right than we have seen uh, other people in their positions. Well, you'd have to compare for in, in Salazar's case, you know, the I guess the previous Republican in that seat was Ileana Ross Layton, yeah. who served many, many, in many a, years. But in a lot of ways, when you're taking that position, if you're harder to the left or harder to the right, one direction or another, it's a lot easier to govern from the minority seat because you get to be the critic for a long time. You get to sit there and point your finger and say, those guys are screwing it up. We can do better. Right. So I would look for a lot of that. I think that's exactly, I think that's what should happen if you're a Republican. Right. What will also be interesting is the effect on redistricting as a result of the census, which is going to change all of the... (laughs) Rough one for the Democrats to lose, huh? Virtually every state house across the country has turned red and they are going to redraw the lines... Right. So so we'll, we will see how that plays out with the way the lines are drawn in Florida, because that, that will also shape the nature of how the members but, in the new districts yeah. that yet to run, they always... Cause, That's cause, a reason, by right. the way, just so you know, that what, you're, what we're talking about is a critical reason for the GOP to stay united and not break off into third parties. And it might be a reason to see the Democrats break off into a third party before the Republicans. It, it, it's, it's interesting, and... I would just add that it, the in terms in terms of the way the redistricting works, because uh, this is I remember a member of Congress telling me once I think it was uh, actually was Senator long time ago Senator William Proxmire from with an old name go flashing back there, and uh, I was interviewing him as a college student and he was gracious enough him and uh, and Senator Moynihan from New York as, to spend some time to talk talk with them and uh, he he was regaling us with the. Uh, stories of how quickly he had to start raising funds. And he said, you know, you get elected, you get sworn in, you shake a few hands, you go to a couple of parties, you catch a couple of votes, and then you're then you're dialing for dollars. Yep. And that's, that's another whole other aspect. Yeah, of well, we're going to see that start in about uh, 10 months. You will see the uh, the donors get rounded up and you'll see the call starting to get made because the midterm campaigns are going to be starting for 2022 in less than 10 months. Think about that for a second. Well, those are gives us a lot of potential guests for our upcoming shows. I'm excited. It's a beautiful day, Tony. Uh, You should go hang out at the beach. I'm going to go buy a new glass. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, Tom. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. Be safe. Bye.